even fellowship afterwards. We say thank you. Amen. So we're going to have a time of communion. How many of you love communion? I love communion. Even as a little kid, when I didn't understand what it was, I'm like, ooh, bread and cracker. I mean, cracker and juice, you know. I didn't even understand it, but I loved it. And so I just want us, every one of us to be reminded this is a time of mercy and grace. Jesus gave himself freely for every one of us. And when he gave himself for us, None of us knew him. None of us obeyed him. He freely gave himself for the whole world. Communion is a place of mercy. It's a place of his kindness. It's, it's this table of grace that is given to each one of us. Sometimes we think, oh, am I worthy to take this? All of us on our best day couldn't, couldn't ever be worthy enough to receive from him. The fact that we're unworthy is the very invitation to receive from him. And so I want every one of us, wherever you are in your life, there's always ups and downs, lefts and rights. I want you to remember that this is a time of his mercy. To say, wherever I'm at in my life, whatever is going on, I have a God who loves me so much that he spilt his blood and gave himself so that I may know that in this crazy, wicked world, there's something greater, someone greater who knows me and who loves me. Okay, I haven't done this here before. I'm subbing in for Pastor Randy. So are, are you going to wait there till I say go? Okay. <laughs> I'm just staring at them. So <laughs> thank you. I was thinking, I don't know the protocol here. Um, <laughs> so I have just something more to say. Uh, there's two groups of scripture I want to I wanna bring out before we take. So as you take communion, just hold it. Okay. Then we're going to take it together at the very end. Amen. Okay. So I'm going to give you two scriptures. Um, I didn't get it on the slides, so forgive me. But um, Genesis is the first book of the Bible, if you're not familiar with it. And in Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. The second was Abel. And most of us know the story. Out of jealousy, Cain killed his brother, Abel. And this was the first time the blood of a human was spilt. Now, I really want you to hear this, okay? This is the first time a human's blood was spilt, a person was killed. And I'll read from Genesis 4-9. It says this. So after Cain murdered his brother and went on his way, this is what the Lord said. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Isn't this interesting? He's actually having a dialogue with God, not realizing that he knows everything. And God responded and said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood. What? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. We can't hear the voice of someone's blood, but God can. Now get that into your heart. God can. 
And it says, so now, he says to Cain, so now you are cursed on this earth. What did his brother's blood cry out? Justice. Vengeance. This isn't right. God, my brother in jealousy, murdered me. His blood cried out for vengeance and justice, and a curse came upon Cain. Okay? Now let's go to the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 12, verse 22 to 24, the author of the book of Hebrews is basically, there's a lot written there, but in, in, a, in one point of a nutshell, he's comparing the old and the new covenants. And at this point, he compares how the old covenant was the Ten Commandments were given through Moses, but now he's talking about what Jesus accomplished. And it says this, but you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, into an innumerable company of angels, into the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Goodness, when we believe in Jesus, we have a new registry in heaven. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. And this is the, here it is. To Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, into the sprinkling of blood. So there was an earthly temple. It was in Jerusalem. And there were sacrifices in the Old Testament that were made on that altar. But it says when Jesus died in the spirit, he took his blood and ascended to the true temple. The earthly temple in Jerusalem was just a shadow of the true temple that exists in the heavens. And it says he went and ascended to heaven with his own blood. And he offered and spilled it on the true mercy seat of heaven before the Father, before all the spirit realm. And it says this, and to the sprinkling of blood that speaks. It doesn't just spoke. You got to get this. The blood of Jesus didn't just spoke once 2,000 years ago. Uh-uh. Speaks better things than that of Abel. The blood of Abel was spilt in injustice, and he cried out for revenge. The blood of Jesus was freely spilled out for unworthy people like you and me. And that blood speaks over you personally speaks over you. It speaks over you. It speaks over me. It speaks over every one of us. And I believe that when we go up to heaven and we stand before that altar, I believe his blood is still there. We can walk up and hear what his blood always for eternity will speak over us. And I'm believing God right now for something. As we hold this in our hands, we're going to take about 30 seconds to a minute. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to believe you're going to hear in your heart something that the blood of Jesus wants to say to you. It might be a thought. It might be a picture in your mind. But his blood wants to speak to you something special to you today.
close your eyes with me. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that before we take communion, give everyone here ears to hear and eyes to see something that the blood of Jesus, the good things, the better things that he speaks, give us ears and eyes to hear and see. In Jesus' name. Let's just wait and receive what he wants to say. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and take the bread. Thank you, Lord, for this bread that represents your body that you gave for us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that forgives each one of us, that makes us right and righteous in your sight. This blood has brought us into oneness with you. Something we could have never have done. And we thank you for it. Go ahead and receive. Amen. Amen. What do I need to tell them? Pass their stuff down to the side. I'm sorry. I'm not used to doing this here. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Amen. Well, be in a place of just um, I just felt like the Lord wants to um, to say and do a few things here. I was just while we were worshiping, I just had some impressions. I believe the spirit of God was trying to direct me on a few things. I believe uh, there's someone or maybe more than one person here. You currently have pain down your spine. Going down your spine. Does anyone feel that? You have pain. Is that you? Yeah. Just put your hand on your heart. Yeah. Holy Spirit right now. Just as you showed me. Every person here who is suffering that pain down their spine. I speak the Holy Spirit's presence. And power. Right now in the name of Jesus. I command the pain to alleviate and disappear, be gone now. And I speak healing and alignment down their spine. Be healed now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I also had an impression, and you don't need to raise your hand for this. I also had an impression that there's someone here that is extremely discontent with life. And dark thoughts and imaginations 
are coming and tormenting you. So, Father, I pray for that individual right now who you are talking to me about. In the name of Jesus, I bind and I speak to those tormenting thoughts and imaginations and the discontentment that has overshadowed them. I command it, be bound, be lifted off now, and go in Jesus' name. I speak the spirit of life, the spirit of joy, and the spirit of peace. It's manifestation of its power and its presence that's so much greater. Come right now and fill, fill that person in Jesus' name. And I, I don't know who this is for, but I believe this is a word for someone here. I felt like I heard these words that there was a there were sudden circumstances that changed your life. You were deeply affected by these things and you've looked for hope and you found none till now. However, I hear the Lord say that as sudden as those unexpected circumstances came crashing down upon you, so suddenly will my love Peace and hope fill your heart and set your feet on a new path of restoration and life. So I speak those words right now to those who this word is for. And I pray for an end of those hopeless conditions and for your purposes and your word to bring about restoration and life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's go to the word. Um, that was all just extra nummies. Yum, 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 appetizer. Okay. And I'll do what I need to do, putting on an alarm so I don't, I, my wife knows right here, I could just talk forever. In church, she can talk forever at home, you know. <laughs> Amen. Holy Spirit, I pray, anoint your word. Your word is anointed. <laughs> Why am I praying, anoint your word? <laughs> Lord, your word is anointed. Help us to see and perceive and receive that anointing. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, if, if you're new here, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm not the pastor. <laughs> so if you don't like me, you can come back. Maybe you like the next guy. No. Uh, it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, I'm subbing in for Pastor Randy today. I'm thankful for the opportunity. So um, um, I want to talk about, first I want to I talk about a few things and then kind of really get into the word. The first thing I want to talk about is goals. I've really, you know, I, I'm celebrating my 42nd birthday next week. Well, I will be, yeah. We've kind of already celebrated it for a time. My wife's leaving for India um, Tuesday, and uh, she's going to be going there and serving Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we had to celebrate a little early because she won't be here for my birthday. But uh, uh, I've realized in my life that unless we intentionally set goals, our lives usually won't change. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Goals, uh, we need clear goals, but not just clear goals, but practical steps to fulfill those goals to see changes in our life. 
How many of you know that with finances, that unless you intentionally plan and budget and are intentional about things, man, a thousand things want to take that money that you would want to set aside for something specific. How many of you know that for like fitness or weight loss? I'm, I'm really, I was really happy because I've lost 22 pounds in the last six months. And I was like, whoa, I got down to like my target weight. I was like, I can't believe I did it. And then I eased myself and already gained four pounds. Like, ah, oh my goodness, struggle. But how many of you know, it's, you got to be intentional or it's just never going to happen for most of us. Marriage. I've realized that being married now 13 years, oh my, you got to be intentional about loving each other, about taking time out for each other. You know what I mean? And, and not giving your family the leftovers of the day, but rather the most important part of your heart. Oh, I'm guilty of that at times. Does that make sense? Work, work, work. It's like, here's my leftovers. <laughs> no, we got to give our family the best at times. Amen? But also God. We have to have clear goals with practical things. And so I found for me in my spiritual walk as me and my wife were praying about this new year, 2024, what are the things that we need to sit, set straight? What are the goals, spiritual goals that we need to lay out? Because if we don't, guess what? 99% of the time, they're not going to happen. Every now and then, God's goodness just blows in and takes you out and like, oh, God is so good. You know, he helps us. But that's that's more of the exception than the normal way of life. Amen? And so, and that ties into my message because many people ask me, because I've, I've now been involved with missions for 20 years. Um, it's about the 20-year mark, and I've lived overseas for 14 of those years, and I've got to see crazy things. I've got to see miracles, healings, um, crazy deliverances of demons and, you know, stories of incredible protection, too. I mean, just a lot of things. Some people, you know, that hear about our lives are like, your life is one continuous miracle. I'm like, well, I hope that's not the entire truth. But, yeah, there's a lot that God has done in our lives. And a lot of people ask me, they say, why do you see all that over here? And then we don't see that so much over here, referring to America versus the nation's. And we have seen God do amazing things here. That's not saying that it hasn't, but usually it happens a lot more in other places or we hear of that. And so my observation over 20 years is this. And it's not just an observation that I've seen others. It's an observation of myself too. It's something that I've realized this is a struggle with my life. Because at the end of the day, I'm still an American. I'm still a Westerner, <laughs> even though I've adopted a lot of Eastern practices, uh, thanks to my wife. But this is what I've realized. Our greatest enemy in the Western world, the Western church, is contentment with mental knowledge of God and his word. Let me say that again. Our greatest enemy, yeah, the devil's there. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. But our greatest enemy, I believe, is mentally content with what we understand or know about God in the Bible rather than experiencing it. Western culture 
that has a lot of Greek philosophy in, that has, you know, been impacted by Greek philosophy. Western culture has exalted the mind and the intellect above our spirit. And it has made the mental realization of the scriptures a satisfactory goal. It's not even said, but when we've mentally understood something, we think we got it. Oh, I understand what God is saying. Oh, I, I know that. But do we really know that? What does the Bible have to say about this topic? Does it have to say something different? I mean, think about the way that, you know, just say you wanted to be in ministry. Just say you was like, I want to serve Jesus. Well, what, what is the way that most people do that? They'll go to a seminary for two to four years, sit in a classroom for eight hours a day, and just feed their brain with information upon information. That's not how Jesus raised his 12 disciples. At 23 years of age, being launched out of this country, leaving everything I know, and going to India, and living there, and all the struggles that I had, coming down with an incurable lung disease within a few months of living there, being attacked by demons, struggling with culture, various diseases that I struggled with, infections. You know what I mean? Really, it's the ups and downs of life that if you bring God into them, that is your real training. That is your real coach. And so, actually, if you want to be trained to serve God, just allow God to fully enter your life now and in every day of it. Allow him to impact you in every day of your life. That will actually be more effective training than going to a, quote, seminary. Amen? I know people that have... Christian books and libraries. I remember going to a Christian bookstore here before they, before Amazon and online exist. Now they don't even exist, right? You could hardly find them everywhere. But do you remember the days when we had like bookstores and especially Christian ones? You'd walk in there and you'd think, oh my God, how many books have been written? You know what I mean? It's just unbelievable. But where's the change in people? Where's the change in our nation? We have an abundance of mental knowledge, but where is the transformation? Does that make sense? I'm, 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 I, I hope you're tracking with me here. And so, let's go into what the scripture has to say about this. So, we'll turn up the first slide. Oh, there it is. Okay. 2 Peter 3.18, and this is what it says. But grow... In the grace and knowledge of our Lord of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, this is the ending um, instruction of of Peter in in the in the last part of his letter. He says this: "But grow. There needs to be growth, right? I mean, my life my wife loves plants. We have plants in every room of the house. I mean, all over the place. Imagine there being a plant and it never grows." Wouldn't you think there's something it's like, what's wrong with it? Why isn't it growing? Where's the new leaves? What's the problem? Right? But grow. Is there growth? Every one of our lives should have growth in it. 
but grow in two things. Peter here is emphasizing two things. Grow in what? Grace. Say grace. <laughs> so I, I, I spoke here about a, a little over a month and a half ago or about, and we talked about grace a lot. Amen? Grow in grace, but also what? The knowledge. Ooh, that's a dangerous word. Because knowledge would infer mental understanding, but that's not what the scripture is saying. The Greek word for knowledge here is the word gnosis. The G is silent, is the word gnosis. So it says grow in the gnosis, or this word translated knowledge of God. But let's go ahead and look what that actually means. The word for gnosis, next slide. In the Greek, in the Strong's Concordance, it says this, functional working knowledge gleaned from first-hand personal experience. <laughs> Could it be said any better? How about this part? Connecting theory to application. You know, you can learn all you want about casting out a demon, but until it happens right in front of you, you don't know nothing, I'll tell you that. I was in, I was just, the first few months I was in India, I like sharing this story, so I'm going to share it. So the first, it's not in my notes, so it's extra. So the first few months I was in India, I was discipling a bunch of people from the mountaineers. The mountaineers have about the least influence of westernization because they're way up and, you know, outside of uh, most contact. And I had about 20 people I was discipling from different villages. I knew them for over a month. I knew the ones that could understand a few English because I would hang out with them more because my Hindi was really weak and I was still learning Hindi at the time. And uh, there was this one lady who knew no English at all. She couldn't say, hi, how are you? Nothing. Like not even one English word would come out of her mouth because she didn't know anything. So one day when we were praying and the Holy Spirit was working, she started manifesting a demon. It was very obvious because she's like, ah! I mean, her face looked violent and she was flaying her arms and legs around and I looked at her and I said in English come out of her in Jesus name and she immediately stopped and kind of sat up like this and looked at me in perfect English and this deep male voice came out and said we are not coming out this is our home we've lived here for 15 years and I almost thought where were smartphones back then so I could record that? You know what I mean? Like someone that I know for a month in this perfect English deep male accent coming out. You can't tell me that demons don't exist after that. Why? Because I had a gnosis. And my gnosis trumps whatever argument you could have. <laughs> Does that make sense? Well, we don't believe in demons. Like, I don't care. My gnosis trumps your opinion because I had what? A first-hand personal experience, and you can't tell me it don't exist, and it changed the way I view life. So what is this saying? It says grow in personal experiences with God. That connects all of your theory of who he is to practical relationship and living with him. Ho, 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 ho. This is the problem, guys. And I'm saying this to me. 
I'm not saying this to you. Does that make sense? Oh, I'm saying it to you too, but obviously, but I'm saying it to me too. We have made mental understanding of God and of the Bible a satisfactory goal. But right here, Paul, I mean, Peter is saying, no, you are to grow in encountering firsthand, not secondhand, not what they said, firsthand personal experiences with God that solidify you knowing him and him knowing you. Okay. So, um, what is the problem with knowledge? Knowledge without experience is like a vaccine. Since we went through all this vaccine drama, that's a pretty recent example I could use, right? <laughs> if you get a vaccine, it's just enough to prevent you from actually getting the disease, right? So we get enough knowledge so that we're satisfied with the knowledge and say, I know that. I know that. But do you really know that? Because according to the scripture, unless you have firsthand practical encounter experience with God, not just in general, in the specific areas of the life that you are needing him, you don't know Nothing, I know nothing. So like I referenced before, when I first came to India and I left everything, within a few months later, I come down with an incurable lung disease. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You know, I, got, I, was, I was a little upset. You know what I mean? It's like, this is what you do to someone who forsakes everything to obey you and fall, you know, go overseas? That's a wrong attitude I have. But that's what I thought. That's what I felt. But ultimately, it wasn't God. God wasn't involved in it. It was the devil. He put it on me. And now I've been healed. I had that disease for five and a half years. I went to so many doctors, I was so fed up with it. And I was incurable. And now I've been completely healed. That's a whole other story for all another time. Many of you have heard some of that story, actually. But me, on my journey... I was pursuing healing. I was like, I know God's a healer. It's written here. I need to experience him. I need to know him. I, got, I, I, I went throughout the whole Bible, and I found every scripture reference to healing there was, and I was reading it, digesting it all. And at one point, I'm like, I know God's my healer. Why am I still sick? I know it here, but I still haven't had the experience and the encounter. This will never, can never replace the heart-to-heart -heart and spirit-to-spirit -spirit encounter that we need with him. And I remember getting a book, uh, this an empty notebook, and I remember writing in English, by the wounds of Jesus, I am healed. And I would write it again. By the wounds of Jesus, I am healed. By the wounds of Jesus, I'm healed. And then I got tired of writing in English. And then I'd write in Hindi. Same thing in Hindi. Because I had to mix it up because I'm going to die of boredom otherwise. Does that make sense? But I'm like, and at one point, my mind was like, you're bored. Go on. You need something new 
That's what your mind wants to tell you. No, you just need to learn something new. No, I don't need to learn anything new. Well, some of us do, but that's not really what it is. I need, I need to encounter this God who performed miracles. I need to encounter this Jesus who made the cripples walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear. And, and for me, my challenge was not allowing my brain to stop me in my pursuit of my heart. And many of us, I'm telling you, I struggle with this even year to year. I stop because my mind says, I know that. Okay, let's go on. We need to hurry here. Oh, at this rate, we're going to be here at midnight. Sorry. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the next verse. Woo! Okay, so let's read another one. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard about it, have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge. Wait, 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 don't go back, go back. What is the knowledge? Epinosis. So there's two words here. First was gnosis. This is epinosis, which is just, it's just a compound from the other word, and we'll, we'll go into that in a minute. Okay, so filled with the epinosis of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So, so God wants us to have knowledge of his will. You know how most of us learn that? They're like, okay, what does God want me to do? Let me read a book so I can figure it out. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's a start. But this is... That's not what this is saying here. It's not saying what can I learn intellectually to know his will. The word epinosis, which we'll see in a minute here, means precise knowledge. So the first one was knowledge. How was that knowledge gained? First-hand personal encounter. This is a more precise knowledge. And how is that? From Many personal firsthand encounters. That's what epi means. Many personal encounters. You know, being in India, I get the privilege of sharing Jesus with people who've never heard of Jesus. I go up to people and like, hey, do you know Jesus? And they're like, um, is he your friend? Isn't that so cool? They have no idea. You get to be the first person at times to share with someone with Jesus. They've never heard of Jesus before. They're thinking like they're one of your relatives. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You get the privilege. We have people, I do healing meetings. We've seen crazy miracles. We've had healing meetings, and unbelievers come there who've, who don't never seen Jesus, you know, I've never heard of Jesus. And we'll be in the middle of a meeting and the Holy Spirit will tell us about this person and they'll, about their specific disease, they'll stand up and literally the power of God hits them and they fall down and other over here, demons start manifesting. Unbelievers in the meeting are like, what is going on here? They're thinking like, what is happening? And all of a sudden this guy starts screaming, my tumor dissolved. And this one over here says she's deaf in one ear from birth. She starts hearing. I mean, seriously, miracles like this. How did they understand the will of God? Oh, God's a healer. How did you come to that conclusion? From all of these epinoses, I started seeing with my own eyes all these miracles. That's what it's saying here. That you may know his will 
through many personal encounters. How do we know? How did it, when did the disciples first know that Jesus can multiply bread? When they're handing it out and they're like, what? I'm trying to get rid of this, and I can't. It keeps multiplying in my hands, right? When did they learn that that, that was possible? When they experienced it firsthand. The problem with us is we're trying to realize God's will through intellect, which is not bad. But God wants us to, us to realize his will through encounter. Because if you realize God's will through your intellect and you don't experience it real quick, you'll quickly change your intellect. Be like, ah, oh, I thought God wanted this, but you know what? Nope. But when you've experienced it, you cannot quickly change your heart because you know in your heart what he's done. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Of his will, with all spiritual wisdom, verse 10. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the Increasing in your understanding through what? Many, many personal, firsthand experiences with God. When I was 16 years old, I wasn't seeking God. My family never really believed in God. We never prayed. We never read the Bible together. God was a foreign aspect. Yeah, we understood that, huh, yeah, there's a God. When I was 16 years old, not seeking him, 10 and 30 at night in my bedroom, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God invaded my bedroom, and I started seeing Jesus in visions, so vivid visions, and I started weeping as the power and the love of God fell upon me. That was all gnosis. There was no knowledge in my brain. It was all heart-to-heart -heart and spirit-to-spirit -spirit encounter, and it changed me. What are we setting our goal for this year? Because I know that if you're like me, you have desires and needs. And you know what? God wants to be in both of them. Unless they're like really flaky desires. You know what I'm talking about? But for the most part, most desires are not bad. You know, a young Gen Z person like, I want to be famous on Instagram. Well, the truth is you want attention because you feel that that will bring you self-worth. How much more important is it to know that the Heavenly Father who created you thinks about you and his thoughts are more than the sands on the sea and he cares so much about you that you are in every one of his thoughts. And if you would have that encounter you could give a care less about how many likes you get on something else. The desire is not evil. It's just misdirected. And it can only be truly satisfied in him. Increase in your, in your many encounters with God through which you will know his heart. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, where are we? Next one on the side.
We're going to speed this up. So what is it? Epignosis comes from the Greek word gnosis and means a fuller and more precise knowledge gleaned or gained through many firsthand personal experiences. Let's go to the next one. Okay. John 17, 3. And it says, and this is eternal life. What is eternal life? Oh, when you die and you get to heaven. No, that's not what it says. And this is eternal life, that you may know, that they may know you, Jesus referring to God, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he sent. What is eternal life? Eternal life doesn't start in heaven when you, when you, you know, after you die. No, 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 no. Eternal life starts now. And eternal life is basically this. When you encounter God and Jesus, that is, those moments are moments of eternal life. And when we get to heaven, we will have unbroken, moment-to-moment, personal encounters with him forever without any break. Thank God for that. But what is it? To know him. The word know is the Greek word ginosko, which is nothing more than the verb form of the noun of gnosis. The word here, no, gnosko, is used as an idiom for sexual intercourse. Oops, did I say that in church? Oops, sorry. Pastor Annie can clean up all the mess that I make from today. It says, Adam knew Eve and she conceived. That's how personal this word means. That they may know God. They may have this deep, deep heart-to-heart encounter that will forever change you and me. Amen? Okay, so where am I going with all this? This is what we need. Oh, so our goal in all of our spiritual devotion and our walk of faith should be what? Intimate, firsthand, personal encounters with God and his word. Our Bible reading. Okay, I'm guilty of this at times. I'm like, I'm going to open up my Bible and read two chapters. That could be good or that could just be feeding my brain. What should I do? I'm going to open this word and I say, Father, I want a firsthand encounter with you through this word. It doesn't matter if I even just read two and a half verses. If it comes, that's where I stay. How many of you have done that? You started reading like, oh, this is good. But I have to, but I said I was going to read two chapters, so I just go on and <laughs> I fulfill my mental requirement. Does that make sense? Sometimes we read a chapter and nothing's there. You need to read another chapter until you start landing on something that is touching your heart where you are touching him and he is touching you. That should be the purpose of Bible reading. Pray to encounter and then remain in that presence. Seek God. I remember when I was seeking God. I was early days. I did some mission schools. And I remember saying, I'm going to go into the woods and I'm not going to come out until God speaks to me. God doesn't work with manipulation, by the way. But, <laughs> you know, I was like really serious. And I'd go into the woods and I'd go into there and pray and pray to hear his voice. And I remember it was a struggle for a long time at first. But you know what? I was setting my heart to say, I want this. Seek God to hear his voice. And as we corporate gathering right here, we should come with an expectation that something bigger is going to happen here because there's more of us in one place. That we, we need to, ch- I mean, I'm guilty of that at times. I'm like, oh, it's church time. Let's go. Oh, Am I just coming to attend 
Or am I coming with an expectation that I'm going to encounter God and God's going to speak through someone, God's going to touch me through someone or just in the presence? We have to raise it because when we don't, we limit what he wants to do. So here we're going with this. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, 6. It says this. I love this. This verse has just jumped out at me a whole new way. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, isn't that exciting, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, gnosis. What kind of knowledge is that? We know it. Of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So God is here shining, and he wants you to feel that sunlight. You know when you step into the sun and it just starts feeling warm, you feel it immediately, and then after a while you're like, I got to get out of this, this is going to melt me. You know what I mean? This really gets hot. He wants to shine. He wants you to feel it. Why? So that you have something to carry. This is the next verse. But we have in we have this treasure. What is the treasure? It just said it. The treasure that we carry is the personal firsthand experiences that we have with God. Besides that, we actually have nothing. This world don't care what verse you and I can quote. They could care less. They could care less what we think about things. I don't talk to people that are unbelievers saying, do you know Jesus? I never talk that way with people. You know, I talk to them, I say, hey, I'm on airplanes all the time. I talk to people a lot. I say, hey, you know, I start talking with them. I found out they have a physical problem or something. I was at the car dealer during COVID getting my oil change done, nothing spiritual. Guy came in coughing, coughing. He had a mask on. He sat across from me a distance, took out his asthma thing and <gasps> almost couldn't breathe. He was sitting there. I said, hey, can I share a story with you how I had an incurable lung disease and now I'm completely healed? He was like, sure. <laughs> he was very interested. And I shared him the story how I got healed through God. He was all ears. Now, if I started just saying, hey, do you know Jesus? He'd be like, yeah, I've heard about Jesus a thousand times. Don't talk to me. You know what I mean? I prayed for him. He had an abscess in the left lobe of his lung. The doctor said, we need to re completely remove the left lobe of your lung because the abscess has gotten so advanced. His surgery was delayed because of COVID, I prayed for him. Six months later, I meet him there to get my other car's oil changed. And he's completely healed. And he said, this has changed my life. I've drawn so close to God. See, the world don't care what you and I think. But they care about what we carry. And what you carry is what you give. That's why Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give to you. Paul is saying right here, I have this treasure. We have this treasure. I have treasure. And the truth is many of us here, all of us have probably a measure of treasure. But you know what? It's just, the Bible says grow. Because sometimes what happened 
you know, 10, 20 years ago, there needs to be more fresh, does that make sense? Fresh impact, too, that God wants to bring about with it. But right here, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So say this, I am a vessel. I am an earthly vessel. All of us, we're all earthly vessels. But we who have this one-on-one encounters and experience with God, we have a treasure. And we have something to give. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not from us. Amen? When I realize that I'm just a vessel, I'm just a vessel. Every one of us is a vessel. When you're really mesmerized or, that's a strong word to use, impressed. (laughs) Impressed by someone who really loves God. Remember, they're just a vessel. You know what I've learned over the years? And I've got to see crazy. This is last year, 2023. I was just thinking about the miracles we've seen. I was in Mexico. They brought a man three months, three, three months prior. He got in a motorcycle accident, completely shattered his tailbone and so many pieces that the doctors are like, we're, we're never going to touch this. There's no way we can even, even do anything to this. And he completely cracked his, his pelvis severely. He couldn't walk without help. He was not an alcoholic before. He couldn't sleep, and so he drunk himself every night because he couldn't sleep otherwise. They brought him to the meeting. Our team prayed for him. I'm not joking. He got up and started jumping. He's jumping, and people are screaming, like, unless you know him, it's like, what's the big deal? Then we got his testimony. I mean, standing up there in front of the crowd, weeping. I mean, crazy miracles we've seen. Cancer healings. I mean, just amazing miracles. You know what? At the end of the day, it has nothing to do with me. Somehow we think that God using me somehow is his stamp of approval that I'm special. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with those people who he loves. And he can use anybody. But at the moment, he has to be using me. And the moment that I think that this is his stamp of approval, that I'm something special, is the very opposite of the truth. It's because he loves all of these people so much that he would use me because he loves them. That's the truth. And Paul understood this. I'm just an earthly vessel. But I have a treasure. And you should know the treasure you have. And if you do not have the treasure, and if you want more treasure, oh God, this is my prayer for 2024. I want to be overflowing with the treasures of heaven. Overflow to the point that others would be blessed, find peace, hope, miracles, life, salvations, and healings, and deliverances. Just because I'm overflowing. That is my prayer for this year. Without intentionality with the goal, it will never happen. Okay, so let's go on. That was my warning. I know. Got to put the timer back on so I know when to shut up. All right. Yay, here we go. Yay. Okay, so let's go to the next verse, and then we'll wrap it up. 
Now, Timothy, Paul is talking to Timothy, same author. Oh, that's Second Timothy, by the way. I didn't even add that. <laughs> but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Right? How many of us have those cups? Like, oh, this is my everyday cup. And it's like, oh, this is for special guests that we really want them to feel special, right? We have all those different cups and plates and spoons and forks, some for honor and some for dishonor. Now, many translations don't use the word dishonor. They use the word common use. Does that make sense? Some for honor, some for common use. Okay? So right here, God is, Paul through God, I mean, God through Paul is teaching there's gold and silver and there's wood and clay. Why are there these differences going on here? Let's go on to the next verse. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but if you look at the preceding scriptures, it's talking, Paul is saying, avoid meaningless theological debate. That's the context before this verse. I mean, it says a lot more after it. I mean, it encompasses all of life. But the preceding verses are like, don't be entangled with meaningless theological blah, 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 blah. You need encounter with God and not this mental debates that are going on in, in Christendom. That is what he's saying. And if you cleanse yourself from a life of just mental Christianity and you surrender and you receive encounters, spirit-to-spirit -spirit encounters, then what? You will be a vestal, useful for the master in every good work. When you are carrying the knowledge that God is hope and God is peace, then you have something to pour out to the depressed, and to the hopeless. When you have a testimony and the knowledge of the scriptures that God is a healer and you see sickness, you have an authority to pray and to believe for healing and miracles. And that is what God wants us to have. This needs to be a reality check for all of us in early 2024. What do I have inside of me? And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm looking. I got, I got some, but nothing near to what I need. And that's a personal confession. And I need you, Jesus. I need you yesterday. I need you last year. But you know what? I need you today. Because you want to touch not just me, but this world. Okay, let's go to the next thing. So it should be a little funny scripture. Yeah, these, these are my clip arts. <laughs> you like them? There's the extent of my creativity and artistic part of me. Download, download. Okay, so first we start with an empty cup. Listen to me. All of us are empty vessels. Every single one of us. The day God called you and me, the day God chose you and me, he knew we were, we were empty, we were nothing, we had nothing. Does that make sense? All we are is an empty vessel, and that's okay. You may say, I don't got nothing. They got everything. No problem. You just need filled. 
come on. I mean, we, we make this thing much more complicated than it is. I, I'm a vessel just as they're a vessel. I just need filled. And that's what God does. God pours into you and me. And I, I've referenced this before. It has nothing to do with you and me. But it starts with you and me. If you need the breakthrough, you need the personal encounter. Why? Because eventually you will be poured out. And when you realize that, then you will realize that my personal pursuit is actually the most important thing that I can do. Because if I am not carrying something in my heart, God can never pour me out for another person. And God wired it that way because he knew people were selfish. I mean, come on, think about it. So many people are selfish. We're so selfish at times. We always think, well, what am I going to get out of it? So God's like, okay, I'm going I'm to I'm work with selfish man. Be like, hey, I'll give you peace. Hey, I'll heal you. Hey, I'm going to bring miracles and provision in your life. You're like, yes! And you get filled, and he's like, okay, now I'm going to teach you that it's really not about you. There's something greater than you. You've been blessed. Why? To be a blessing. So he fills you for one purpose, to pour you out to others, ultimately for his glory. Isn't that neat? He allows the selfishness of man to operate in the midst because he knows at the end of the day, my grace will be greater than their selfishness. Let's go to one verse and I'll try to end it here. Now the Lord has said to Abram, this is what God said to the, you know, one of the patriarchs of faith. I will make you a great nation. Ooh, that sounds good. I will bless you. Ooh, yes, God, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. Why? And make your name great. Why? And you shall be a blessing. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It starts with you. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm just going to have a ministry of intercession and pray for everybody else. That, do pray for other people. But unless you get filled, unless you are carrying personal encounter in your heart, you ultimately, I don't believe we can ultimately be the greatest blessing we can be to the others in the world around us. And it all goes back to him. But you need it and I need it. So there's two prayers here. There's two prayers and we're going to pray them. We're going to pray them. That's how I'm going to wrap this up. There's two prayers. First one's Romans 15, 13. And we're going to pray this. And I just want to inspire you all. I want to encourage you all. I want this year, I mean, unless we're intentional, how do you know the days and the months go by? And they just go by like that. I remember I haven't seen a friend in months, and I looked out, I saw him, I'm like, oh my goodness, if we're not intentional, it's going to be a year before I see you again, right? Same thing with God. Same thing with the purposes of God. I'm 42. Well, next week. Don't want to make it sooner than I need to, right? But I'm like, what, what is the next 40 years of my life going to look like? How, how much can God fill me? And how much can I be poured out 
to his glory in these 40 years or 10 years or 30 years or 50 years or whatever. You're like, I'm going to live into 120. God bless you. Yes, do it. Then you have 80 years, whatever. Do the math. But does that make sense? How much can you receive and how much can you give out? The Bible's telling us grow, grow in personal encounters with God because the world needs it. Now may the God of hope fill you with all hope and peace and believing. There it is. You're a vessel. Sam, a vessel. You're going to come. We're going to come before the God of hope. And we're, what are we going to believe for? To be filled with peace and joy. That you may abound. I believe overflowing. Say overflowing. You may overflow in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This world needs hope. This world needs peace. I can't shut up. I'm going to share one more testimony. I was just at a psychic fair. Yeah, you ready for this? I was just at a psychic fair last October. So I go to psychic fairs. I tell them I'm a healing, healing guru from India. I wear my garb. They don't know I'm an ordained minister. <laughs> and uh, and I, I pray for people. I prophesy people. So this lady comes up, and she fills out a form of physical, emotional problems. She had quite a bit of emotional problems. As soon as she, she sat down, she started to try to tell me what it was wrong. I said, stop. Because the Holy Spirit starts speaking to me. And I saw her at a certain age take all of this deep pain that she told no one and went into the basement and found this old trunk and buried it in the deep part of her heart. And she told no one. And I started saying, you are about this age when this traumatic thing happened to you and you told no one. And you took this deep pain and you, she started bawling. Tears started screaming. Her face started quivering. And, and I started prophesying over to her. And I told her it was Jesus. And right there, she bowed her head at the psychic fair and gave her heart to Jesus. And right afterwards, she left that place because she had no more need. God met her. God wants to use you, not just me, not just others, you. You are to be a vessel of hope. You are to be a vessel of power. Amen? Okay, you shut up. Let's pray. There we go. Sorry. Uh-oh, there he is. Go ahead and stand up, and we'll just pray this one prayer. I had more, but I need to shut up. Okay. No, 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 we're good. I could go on forever. I think they, got, they all got the gist of what I had to say. Amen? Let's believe for that. Put your hand on your heart. Say this with me. God of hope, I need you. Healer, I need you. Miracle worker, I need you. God of peace, restoration, the deliverer, I need you. And I, and I give myself to you. I give my earthen vessel to you. And I pray, fill me to overflowing. I want heart to heart 
and personal encounter with you. Let this year be a year marked with personal encounter. I will no longer allow my intellect to hinder my heart. Mind, step aside. My spirit, come forth and reign over my life. God of hope, fill me now with joy and peace. May I abound in peace to overflowing, to overflowing. Spirit of God, fill me today. Lead me into your presence, into the word, into your voice, and bring transformation in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, I bless this people, Father. And I pray that all of us would be filled with hope this new year. That this year would be a year of encounters with you. Fill us up, Father. Fill us up in the many f- ways and facets that you can so that we may be poured out. Father, I pray that everybody here, none of them, would be a common vessel any longer, but that we would be set apart. We would be useful for you, our master, in every good work. The knowledge of you burn, shine, and move within the knowledge, within our hearts, transforming us. We desire you, Jesus. We desire you. Lord, I pray, Father, that as they sleep, dreams of encounter. I pray that as they, that as they spend time with you or even or catch them by surprise with visions let your voice be heard let this year be a year marked with not just gnosis but epinosis epinosis of your presence and of your power fill them to overflowing fill us to overflowing we pray in Jesus' name amen amen god bless you